1: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score Nord Studios. TCL America's fastest-growing TV brand.
0: Hockey, yeah, yeah, my favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. Welcome to Judd's Hockey Show. Zolgad and Declan Goff back at full strength. Always were. That's debatable. And Declan, we will start off with uh, what we're going to be doing until 2 o'clock on Monday, which is recklessly speculating about wild trades and Boots has been fired as coach, which we addressed on a special edition of Judd's Hockey Show late last week. Um, So let's get back to the trades. Jason Zucker obviously traded um, a week ago Monday now for the expiring contract of Alex Galchenyuk, a 2020 first-round pick and also a prospect defenseman. Love that trade. Yep, big trade. What do you foresee happening now by 2 o'clock Central time on Monday as Bill Guerin clearly now is putting his mark on this team?
1: Yeah, I think the deck chairs on the Titanic are slowly uh, going into the bottom of the ocean here. And I would like to think that a defenseman is going to get moved. I believe the asking price is still very high. But judging by how the first domino felt with Zucker, and now some others starting to fall around the league too, that teams are willing to pay a premium for players, whether they're rental or whether they are controllable assets. So if you can get the right deal for a Brodeen or a Dumba, I'm not sure which one I'm leaning towards has a higher chance of being moved by the deadline. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm stuck there. I'm kind of stuck right in the middle. But I do believe Dumba or Brodeen We'll be playing for a new team by the time we record our next Tuesday's Judd's Full Hockey Show here
0: on Score North. So do you think that because Dumba brings a skill set, you know, he's a right-handed shot defenseman, he can provide some offense, do you think that he's more in demand, or is it the steady hand of Brodeen, who's not a sexy player, but clearly gives you a reliable playoff-type defenseman, who you basically know is never going to screw up, where with Dumba, you don't know that?
1: Well, I I guess it's what you want, right? We. Both players are so uniquely different. Do you want a dynamic right shot defenseman who can help you on the power play and, and, and be a hot commodity and is probably more has a high has a higher ceiling, but also a lower floor? Do you or do you want Jonas Brodine, who you know exactly where the Rambler house is built and starts? And do you want to just shore up your defense? you one legitimate defender away from being a complete team like a Winnipeg maybe going out and getting Jonas Brodine. You put Jonas Brodine on Winnipeg, I have a completely different outlook on how that Jets team can play. Are you Carolina? You lost Dougie Hamilton and you're looking for scoring, or Toronto in the same bin. Do you want the right shot defenseman that is maybe the missing piece from you being a bubble playoff team to being a favorite in your respective conference? That's the decision that I think these teams have to make.
0: And contractually, too, there's a uh, decision to be made here as well because uh, Dumba's obviously signed for the long term, essentially, and Brodeen's contract is gonna come up and Brodeen's gonna get paid too. So that might be another thing that factors in to Billy Guerin's decision here when it comes to the salary cap is he might love Brodeen, but do you want are you gonna to have to wanna to pay him on a long-term contract? So there's a lot of things at play here. I do think you're right though. I do think one of them is gone by Monday. Now, obviously if people come in and lowball Garen are like, ah, no, you won't then he's not gonna make a trade. But we're seeing enough trades now. And in fact, So, uh, full disclosure, we're taping this on Tuesday afternoon, okay? Monday night, a big trade goes down. Tyler Toffoli gets traded to the Canucks, who have Brock Besser out. They have some injury problems. So, Toffoli, a very valuable forward, goes to Vancouver. Vancouver. Um, A forward by the name of uh, Tim Schaller goes to the Kings. A college hockey prospect, a center, Tyler Madden, who, by the way, is the son of a former wild player John Madden played in the Edina youth system. Yep. He goes to the um he goes to the Canucks. I believe
1: a stud at Northeastern this year.
0: He is indeed a 2020 second round pick goes um to the Kings. Uh, I'm sorry. So Madden Schaller, the 2020 second round pick go to the Kings along with a 2022 conditional fourth round pick. So that's for a good forward. That that's a Zucker type of trade. Yeah. That's a lot. Now, the reason I screwed it that up, sir, was because as I was giving you that trade, we have had another major trade go down. Okay. So this is all jumping the this gun. Is... We are a week out, two o'clock next Monday, the National Hockey League trade deadline hits. The San Jose Sharks have just traded defenseman Brendan Dillon to the scuffling Washington Capitals for a 2020 second round pick and a 2021 conditional third round pick. And consider that then the price of doing business. Exactly. Brendan Dillon's a very good player. The Capitals, now, the Capitals were one team that needs a defenseman. There's still teams out there. This is not done. But I think that that's probably considered the price of poker then. Brendan Dillon to the Capitals from San Jose, which is a bad team, which uh, you know beat the Wild 2 nothing on Saturday, 2020 second-round pick, 2021 conditional third-round pick.
1: So, yeah, that's the poker. That's, that's the floor of these deals. I think this has been a buyer's market. Um, or I guess it depends. I always forget, get get confused on how this lineage works. Is it a seller's the, market or is it a buyer's market? The
0: seller market? would be the wild in this right. case. Right. So
1: the wild, if you're the wild and you're seeing defensemen already starting to go like this, and Brandon Dillon, I'll put Brandon Dillon and Jonas Brodin on the same tier. I think maybe maybe Brodine a little bit more safer option. And, sure, and Dillon, but he's a nice defenseman. Yeah, very good. He's
0: definitely a desired defenseman. Right, plays
1: 19 minutes a night for San Jose. He's a pretty good player. So I would say if I'm Bill Guerin and I can get at least just a first-round pick and maybe— you know, throw in whatever you want also to sweeten the deal. We can do that. But this is this is good news if you're Bill Guerin because the market's being set. He set the market first off with the Zucker trade to start with, right? Yes. So here he set the market for the first big domino of the trade deadline season. Um, I'm not going to put Taylor Hall in there just because that was a disaster situation in New Jersey months before, really. Trade deadline season heats up, per se. So if you're Guerin, you definitely have options here. And it's who do you want to part with and who are you safer committing yourself to in the long term. Like you said, Dumba's under contract for six million dollars a year for I believe three more seasons after this. Uh Brodeen has one more year after at four point one and he's probably going to be looking for a contract similar to what Dumba got in terms of term. They might be different players, but I'm going to guess Brodeen is going to ask for a floor of six million dollars per season and rightfully so. And if you're the wild, you cannot afford to have all four of those guys, Suter and Spurgeon included under contract going forward while also still trying to supplement your roster in free agency. Um, It's also a very weak free agency class this year. I was just doing some digging on this as well. The top commodity, my guy RNH, is probably going to ask for a ton of money that's well outside the Wilds' price range. So there is not—
0: Oh, no, you're not going to get Ryan Nugent Hopkins again. I know, darn it. You're never going to get your guy, are you? I won't.
1: But— the point is there's so many, there's lack of really star power free agents that are available at this year's free agency pool on July 1st open. So so yes. that means trades, heavy trades, and that that's going to mean- Well, this is a, fantastic. This is great for us, and also on draft day and stuff, when more trades can go down, there'll be a little bit of lull between the Stanley Cup and when the draft day starts and when the draft goes down, you know more dominoes fall. So this is good if you're the Wild. It, you're going to the trade deadline knowing that you have other uh, options out there, and we haven't touched on a few others. We just focused on the defenseman here. Mm-hmm. but. If I'm Bill Guerin, the most you can get back right now in another trade that you just did for Zucker would be trading Brodine or Dumba.
0: Yep, and in addition to the uh, Sharks-Capitals trade that I just gave you, there have been two other trades today. They're not huge, uh, but but the Jets got a defenseman by the name of Dylan DeMillo from the Senators for a 2020 third-round pick. The Jets are in desperate need of blue-line help. If you could play defense, Declan Goff, they'd take you right now. Mm. And the Rangers acquired a forward by the name of Julian Gauthier from the Carolina Hurricanes in exchange for defenseman Joey Keene. And so we have had lots of trades made. I think there's lots more to go. Let me let me reintroduce a topic that we've I think we disagree on fundamentally. But as we see the direction the Wild is going, I think it makes more sense to try and make it happen. And that is, I think we both agree that Eric Stahl can be traded, right? Like you're not anti-trading Stahl. Oh, no. But you would like it to be more of a hockey trade to get a player back. Eric Stahl, to me, has fallen off so badly and looks so tired now being asked to play first line. And and I'd like to run by you my contention of what the Wild is really doing here. Because, look, sports lying is fine, but if Bill, if you're, not you personally, but if people are buying what Bill Guerin is selling, I would like to say one thing to them, wake up. Um, I would now advocate moving Stahl for whatever I could get. And I think he's got, what, Declan, a 10-team no-trade? Is that right? Yeah, I believe that's correct, yeah. But if I can move him to any contender that's going to give me, I'd take a second-round pick now. I really would. He is so tired. He is so taxed. He is being asked to do so much more than he is capable. He is now back to me, to being the player that he was in the first two-plus weeks of the season when he was a non-factor, that I really think if he goes to a contender where he could play third line, so it's third line. He's not playing a ton, but he's playing important but not as many minutes as what Boudreaux was asking him to do. And now Dean Everson is going to ask him to do. I 1000% make that trade now. And and because before I was sort of with you and I was like, I could see it both ways, but man, he's just done now.
1: So, I mean, as you, as you alluded to, I've been dying on the Hill, essentially, if you're going to move stall, I need a player back. I need a center. I, man. And I
0: did get your point at the time. Yeah. And so,
1: I, and I, I've been doing thinking on this too. I was doing some research last night when I was doing the same thing, looking at the upcoming free agents, I'm now teetering on I mean yes, do I still want a center back? Of course I do, but now I'm I'm almost looking at damaged goods. I'm looking at what what can I just get for him straight up right now? And if that means a second round pick, then I'm willing I'm willing to do that. I still would like a player back in a perfect world, but I know teams probably are going to be reluctant to do that. They're looking at Eric Stahl. He's 35 years old. Yes, he can help them, but do, do you want to give up a 20 to 23 year old up and coming buried prospect for one more year of 35-year-old Eric Stahl, I certainly wouldn't. But if that team is so desperate to do so, I'll listen to your offer. But now, no, I, I'm I'm kind of backpedaling a little bit, and I'm understanding that it's going to be a tall ask to get a, a player back for Eric Stahl in a typical hockey trade, which is what I've wanted. And now it's just whatever you want, let's listen, let's do And it.
0: he's just so cooked. Yeah. And, and look, I think if he goes somewhere and makes a run and can play third or fourth line and play some important shifts, I think he might not be as cooked but because I was way more with you until this past month or so, um, but he just looks absolutely fried. And the other guy that's scaring me, man, and we should talk about this because – and Garen's just stuck here, and this is not his doing. Your guy, the passer, (laughs) Matt Zuccarello, what has happened there? And you're stuck there. It's a five-year, right, five-year contract, no-move clause. And, oh, my gosh, did the rest of this league see this coming by not – because I think Paul Fenn was the only guy to say, I'll give you the fifth year. And, of course, the Zuccarello camp's like, okay, great. Um, but this is frightening to watch because you are completely stuck. And, you know, Dex, it's one thing to be, okay, preezy suitor, and we can go down that list of guys that you were previous. But what do we keep saying? Well, the good thing is Koivu's going to be gone after uh, 2019-20. Well, now you've just sort of replaced the fact Koivu's gone with Zuccarello and i don't know what's wrong there but it looks really really dicey the past month
1: well and i and i won't try to defend him a little bit but okay. lately he Go ahead he, if you want to. he has been playing with luke Cunningham, who i don't believe is a center and alex galchenyek who we're going to get into later on the podcast who looks like a overcooked piece of meat at this point yep and what else do you really expect from him if you're playing with those kind of guys around him? I, I think Zuccarello, when he Fewer got here... Fewer mistakes is where I would start. In the first two <laughs> months, was a really good player. We saw the passing on display. I think his game is still, what's the word, transcendent in future seasons. I still I, I still I still think he can have something, but we know this contract's going to eventually hurt the Wild. So, yeah, you're concerned. Maybe you get him... To ask him to my my goal if he continues down this downward spiral is you keep him for this year, you're not going to get anything, and then by the expansion draft, you ask mats, will you be willing to waive your no movement clause like I, I I understand the reasons of why that exists so you don't have to have to worry about this at an expansion draft time, but we really can't afford to be keeping you at, at the expansion draft
0: and any team that takes him is going to want you to pay some of that freight because no one's going to take on that whole contract. I mean, this. I guess what we're seeing now is at least a glimpse of where this is going to go eventually. If it's not there now, let's say he comes back and plays fine, or let's say he's on the right line in 2020-21. We are seeing a glimpse of, and, you know, you were so happy because you thought, okay, Koivu's going to be gone. You're out of that contract. And now, yeah, the cap's going up, and you've got Suter and Prezi that you're stuck with, but at least it's not as many guys. And now it's sort of like you're taking one piece of the puzzle, a coivo, and you're going to take that out of the puzzle be like, oh, good, that's out of the puzzle. And you're just going to put the Zuccarello piece back in here. And so the rebuild here, I'm not saying it's, it's certainly not possible, but it makes it tougher. But let's discuss what Bill Guerin is doing, okay? I'm going to run my whole theory by you, and you tell me what you think of this. But just to be clear again, to go back. Bill Guerin has told us after the Zucker trade and basically insinuated the Boudreaux firing, which still timing wise makes no sense. Loved covering Bruce. Nobody, including Bruce's wife who told Michael Russo of the athletic. We didn't expect him back next season. Okay. So the fact he's gone is not surprising. The timing is, but he makes the Zucker trade and then he fires Bruce. And in both cases, he's like basically implies or says, I expect this to be a playoff team. Um, I think he basically said Dean Everson could give them the push that they didn't get. He was very disappointed by the Rangers' um, shootout loss, which, by the way, in their last 11 up to that point, or through that point, 7-3-1, and and they still got a point against a Rangers team that is superior to them. I know that points are very close, but the Rangers are better. This is, Dex, to me, 1,000%, a GM who's a fairly savvy dude, realizing that he has an owner who's a superfan and who can't accept empty seats, non-playoff berths because he's a fan, and also can't accept the fact that someone might go to him and say, Craig, I know this is tough to hear, but for the second consecutive spring, it's best that our building be dark in April. You know, because every one of those home games, you make a lot of money. Um, but there's nothing that I'm seeing about this. The Zucker trade, the Boudreaux firing, the Everson postgame after the 2 nothing loss to the Sharks, which is one of the most bizarre press conferences I've ever seen that indicates to me that Bill Guerin has any interest in having this team make the playoffs or try and win now. I think he's dumping to get out. I think you're right. I think another defenseman is probably gone because that gets you more assets and weakens you short term. Do you see anything to push back at that and say that you think that this guy is actually trying to get this team in the playoffs in 2020?
1: I don't think he actually believes deep down that this team's a playoff team. I think it's lip service. I think it's a little bit of lip service that um he thinks that this team can make the playoffs. And I made this point too earlier uh, on Scorn Earth Live a few weeks earlier earlier this week that no GM ever goes out and says our goal is to tank. Like have have you have you heard the devils or the red wings GMs actually the, actively say The it? Rangers
0: sent the letter to their season ticket holders a couple of years ago of being very forthright about it, but for the most part you're right.
1: It doesn't happen. So Garen can get on with us and say he respectfully disagrees, which is exactly what he told you that when you asked, are you trying to bail on the playoffs? And a GM, I'm sure, is always going to have those comments. But no, his his goal right now is to stockpile as many assets as he can, which is what he's trying to do to try to rebuild this team. Look, there's so many albatrosses working against the team. We just talked about Zuccarello. We know what we have in Prezi and Suter. The few players who are marketable that have no movement clauses. There's contract debates coming up with Brodine and a Marcus Felino, Right. There's a lot that Bill Guerin has on his plate here. So what can he do to make things easier for this team going forward? And that is to stockpile more draft assets, get more prospects, trade out and, and cut and trim the fat. And that's, that's his plan. He might not ever admit to us what deep down his plan unless we knock back a couple cocktails, which is something I've still always wanted to do with Bill Guerin. Who does uh, So that's a podcast for another day. Who doesn't? But... I know deep down that he's he does have a pretty legit vision on where this franchise can go in a couple years, much more than Paul Fenton, who I was just trying to trade everybody at will. And I trust Guerin that these are the right moves to make. Yes, can we question the timing of these moves? Of course we can. We can talk about that all night and day. But I do think Guerin has a black-and-white plan of where he sees this franchise going.
0: If We definitely thought that Leopold and Garen were on the same page exactly. I think that they could have said, well, I think if they, they were on the same page to backtrack for a second, I think you probably fire Bruce two months ago. The The problem with Bruce, God bless him, was he might have gotten this bunch in, into the playoffs. You don't know. You know, what I saw on Saturday against the Sharks, which, by the way, the Sharks won back-to-back games. They beat the Jets on Friday and the Wild on Saturday. And just to be clear, the Wild sat home on Friday and rested, okay? So, and the the Wild had. 39 shots, but they were from basically center ice and the blue line. But from what I saw from the wild on Saturday, I saw a team that was way more along the lines of crestfallen and defeated than energized. And for Dean Evason to get up there and say, I thought we looked engaged and was basically doing. He was basically, I think, playing the role of good employee. There's no way he believed that. And there's no way that anyone who watched that game thought, man, did they look like, did the Wild look like they were really trying? Kevin Fiala, who has, what, now surged for a month or so with Bruce Boudreaux as his coach, looked absolutely like someone had shot his dog. And post game, it looked the same way. And so, yeah, I, I think if we could have gotten owner and GM to tell the fan base, hey, look, it's not going to happen this year you pretty much knew that too so it's not like this team went in to 2019-20 with high expectations but i think that that, that's just not possible in garen's mind and so he's like all right what can i do and i think the rope-a-dope with leopold was to be like dean evison's gonna give this team a boost and privately be like this ain't gonna work for sure
1: well so do you think garen Behind the scenes is telling is still telling Leopold that we're a playoff team, but deep but deep in his heart of hearts, he knows absolutely. I'm totally duping this guy.
0: Absolutely, and I also think and I also think he's been very clear. I, Bill Garrett strikes me he he's a streetwise hockey guy. Okay, like this is not your executive who flaunts around in really expensive suits, and this is a guy who I think really gets it. And he's worked with players for a long time. He also is very wisely using the threat. And I know some people don't like this because they've tweeted it, but he's using the threat on the players of you are a playoff team, aren't you? Because it tests them. And that's what he wants to do. He basically wants to see who folds. Bill Guerin probably privately thought Saturday was great because he saw a lot of guys sort of fold. And those are guys that you can make decisions on this guy. And I'm not saying dumping them, but I'm saying just as far as, okay, this guy can do this. This guy could do that. For Kevin Fiala to look that upset and lost tells you a lot about him personally, and it's not all good. So I think Bill Guerin has this both ways. He can hold the owner at bay and be like, I'm trying to get, you know, I I made this change to do that. Um, And at the same time, he can hold players accountable for something he knows they probably can't accomplish. But who cares? Because you find out about them individually then. By the way, and just full disclosure again, because this is Judd's hockey podcast. It's not live. It is uh, 3.05 Central Time as we tape this. Trade number four of the day has just come in. Oh, my God. So there probably will be more. So don't, at 7 o'clock, don't say, how did Goff and Zolgad miss this trade? Marco Scandella. Oh, my guy. The former wild defenseman who then went to Buffalo and then Montreal is back in the Central Division. Welcome back. Marco Scandella has been traded to the St. Louis Blues. Oh, I love this trade. For a 2020 second-round pick to Montreal and another 2021 conditional fourth-round pick, which probably means... Something about how the Blues do, clearly, of what Montreal will get. So the last two trades, Brandon Dillon, defenseman, goes from San Jose to Washington for two draft picks, including a conditional one. And then Marco Scandella goes from his hometown, Montreal, to St. Louis for two draft picks. So if Scando is getting a second-round pick,
1: yeah, I, like I call how you Scando. I Scando, People think that's not his nickname. No, I, I know Marcos. Marcus and I are, are, are tight. It's Marco, um, but that's okay. You know what I mean. <laughs> Yes. I think if this is the market for for defensemen who are probably on the same plane as Brodeen, maybe Brodeen is probably a little bit more marketable. they a little bit better player than these two are. I love Marcus, Marco Scandella here. He was but was
0: considered a better player. Exactly. No, you're right.
1: So if, if the second round pick is for, let's just put tier three defensemen. So that's the Scandellas of the world. And then tier two is Jonas Brodeen, First round pick is going to be at least the starting point of that conversation.
0: Yeah, because it would probably be because, you, you know, your trade would likely be with pretty good teams, so we're talking late first round pick. But that gets you up to three first round picks now, which means that you can make more deals potentially around the draft. So yeah, I I would say you're right. I would say that the market right now for Dumba and Brodine has been set because you're not going to trade into a bad team. It's probably been set as a first round pick. Yeah, which is a second half of the first round.
1: And I would I would say Dumba actually just commands more just because of the term of his deal and the ceiling. Two um, picks,
0: right? Yeah. So probably you get a first round pick. And another pick, a conditional. Well, a conditional pick. So I
1: mean, it depends.
0: And if, possibly a prospect. If you're talking,
1: if you're just talking Dumba, I think first round pick. Yes. And then no, I I need a I need a player back. I need a legitimate. What's player your Carolina back. trade again? It was um, a first round pick, Martin Nakias, and yeah, Martin Nakias for Matt Dumba. I believe okay. is what it was off the top of my head. Now our friend Sarah Sivian, a friend of the podcast uh, who covers the Hurricanes for the Athletic, she tra- uh, She did a great piece at the Athletic breaking down hypothetical trades, and someone either took my article or tweeted it at her and said, hey, I've heard rumblings of a first-round pick for Matt Dumba and Martin DeCayas.
0: because your Zucker trade was dead on. Well, yeah,
1: I know. I understand. I'm, I'm batting 1,000 prai- here. People are praising thousand. you. But she said there's no way in hell the Hurricanes would give up, A, their draft pick, and B, their top prospect. Who is contributing? Like Martin DeCayas is, is an integral part of what the Hurricanes are doing right now, Okay, and she believes giving up those two... Basically, blue chip poker pieces for Matt Dumba, who's a very good defenseman, seems a lot to ask for. So that's just her perspective. She knows that team inside and out much more than we ever will. But that is something to think about. If that's what Garen wants, and and he's and Carolina says no, but we'll do this, this, and that. I I say I'm out. I need that first round pick, and I need the first line set. Yeah,
0: you're not under any pressure to trade. Right, right, right. If you're building, if you're building the right deal. It, exactly yeah no if you're if you're Bill garing you're in the catbird seat right because you don't have any pressure but I think with what you're doing right now is is if you can get I mean this team is in desperate need of draft picks and and prospects and so yeah and I am in no just to be clear from my perspective at least Declan I am in no hurry to trade Brodine or Dumba I just think that they're your marketable assets. And you do have teams like the Avs now who need goal scoring. In fact, I've got this written down here. So the Avs right now in their game on Monday night against Tampa Bay lost Mikko Rantanen for weeks, several weeks. It might be the rest of the regular season because I think Adrian Data reported he thought it might be a broken collarbone. Also a UFA this summer. Okay. But he is going to be out for weeks. Um, Nazem Kadri is lost for multiple weeks because of an LBI lower body injury suffered uh, in the game that the Avs won here. And Matt Calvert is out week to week. So if you had goal scoring to trade and yes, it's in the division, but you might be able to do that. But I think as far as the wild goes, what they really have left to move is one of two defensemen. And here's where it gets interesting. If somebody's in desperate need of a backup goaltender and came calling for Staylock as a sweetener, I'd throw him in for sure. In fact, because I would like to see Kakanen play. Um, But I think the Zucker trade probably took you out of the market. The one guy that I'm guessing Garin will shop, and I think he should be laughed at, but he, he could shop, is the aforementioned Alex Galchenyuk. Let's talk about an NBA term because NBA trades. What's the term that you hear in a lot of NBA trades? Expiring contract, right? For anybody who thinks that the Minnesota Wild might keep Alex Galchenyuk, please give beyond me a break. This, beyond this, year. Beyond this year. Well, I think they'd love to trade him by Monday. I don't know who takes that. I, I mean, I just it's not the contract because to your point it expires. But we've seen three games now, and let's just put the three games of zucker and galchenyuk and i like jason side by side in three games jason zucker in pittsburgh two goals one assist three points not surprising playing with a good center great center alex galchenyuk okay not he's playing as you said about Zuckerello with luke cunning who's probably not the center but nonetheless dex we've seen these games zeros across the board Uh, this guy is... I I look forward to Bill Guerin having the room to use Alex Galchenyuk's money on someone else.
1: Look, I I came on the podcast when we first heard the news, and I said, let's give this guy a chance. Don't write him off yet. He's a former 30-goal scorer. um, And also, because he's having a down season, you could probably ink him to a very team-friendly deal or a one-year prove-it deal if he wants to do that. I don't like to make a huge assumption off of just two games. And... That is something that I want to give this guy a longer leash for. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but man, that's about as ghost as you can be for two straight games. And if if, if yeah, unless he's trying to sign like literally a one or one million dollar deal per season, I don't do it.
0: You still wouldn't? Do no, it. I don't want him. Yeah, I don't I, want him. I I sense you know what I see Declan too much of familiar wild things. I don't know, no, no, I don't want him. I don't want him in my room. Um, he can go solve his issues so- somewhere else. No, I want somebody, if I'm going to spend money, I would, you know what? Okay, I'm going to come around to your guy right now. Okay. I'm going to tell you this. If my choice in 2020 2021 is, is I sign Alex Galchenyuk to a team-friendly deal so that he can tease me at times, or I just get your darn guy, Jerry Mayhew, up here, I'm going Jerry time. I'm with you. I know you've been longing for him. I know he's having this unbelievable year, and we can't figure out why he's not here. But I'm going with Jerry ten out of ten times before I'm going with a guy like Galchenyuk. I can. I like the energy. I like the passion. I like the ability to score goals. And there are a bunch of things that Galchenyuk he could score some goals, but the rest of it, I I'll take Jerry.
1: He has some skating problems. He definitely can't ski as much as he as well as he used to. And I've also. There's been some rumblings, students just behind the scenes. He's a great teammate, but there's some baggage off the ice, too, that I don't think people want to distract. And I think uh, I feel bad for the guy because he's 25 years old. He's three years removed from a 30-goal campaign, and, and honestly, his NHL career is looking cooked. He looks like he's probably going to have to go play in the KHL, which, you know what? Maybe he rebuilds his value, and he comes back in three years, and, and, and he can be an NHL player again. That's on the table. Um, but he looks to me as a guy that's cooked and... I know you. I yeah. If I had to pick between Jerry Mayhew right now, let's just call it tomorrow. If, if could you I trade Alex Galchenyak and that creates room for Jerry Mayhew. I'm I'm calling up Jerry Mayhew. I I need to see if this kid can score goals at the NHL
0: level. Absolutely. And I just think Galchenyak – How much does Galchenyak remind you of so many other wingers who, and well centers too, but forwards who have come through here and you've been like, I wonder if he can give you a la-, you know, I I go back to guys like top prospect one time Alexander Dagg. Let's see what he's oh got. You God. know, Let's see what he's got left. Um, Damn, just, heard. But I mean a litany of names like Gal Chaniak that I can give you of guys that you've watched and ended up rolling your eyes at and been like that was a, a waste of time. Now the expiring contract part of the Zucker deal I absolutely love. It frees you up because Pittsburgh had to give you somebody back so I completely get it. So to me the best part of that trade was I got the first round pick of 2020 because Pittsburgh's going to make the playoffs without question. I got the young defenseman who can play on my power play eventually as a right-handed shot. Heck, might replace Matt Dumba, And I got a freed-up roster spot. It's an NBA type of trade, right? and I love that. But I think that we can, and I know because I was I was complaining. You'll, you'll be shocked to hear this. I was complaining in the press box on Saturday why Donato was not on that second line and Galchenyuk demoted to the fourth line already. And I did get people being like, Judd, he's played two games. Give it some time. I'm like, I don't need to give this time. Declan, I don't need to give it time.
1: Yeah, I understand. So I, I, that's I, my rant on Galchenyuk. I got, I got a note on it, too, that said, you and Judd already given up on Galchenyuk, huh? And I said,
0: yeah, I think we are.
1: Like, well, we he's were, not an
0: integral part of the future. We were willing to start to bail the second they got him because I, I, think, if you, I think if instead of listening to what Garen tells you, if you go by what he's doing, this is all pretty crystal clear. Like, this isn't hard to figure out. And again, I will go back to, I feel bad for Bruce. I really do feel bad. And I don't know if Bruce was told, you know, because he obviously left with a check of some sort. I don't know if he was told, hey, keep this on the down low and we don't want to talk about this publicly. But, or if he really was just not told and told to go away. But Bruce was fun to cover. Bruce is passionate about his sport. Bruce is passionate about his job. I feel empathy for Bruce. But as far as what they're going to end up accomplishing here, I can't criticize it. And if Bruce had led this godforsaken team to a playoff spot, here's the thing. Declan, I would rather, when it comes to the Minnesota Wild, and I know in this town, the lottery can be dicey, right? Wolves, Wild, it's been dicey, lots of times bad luck. But if you ask me right now, would I rather roll the dice by putting this team in the playoffs or... In the lottery, and take a chance on one or the other. I'll do the lottery every time, and if you get a, if you don't get lucky, that's too bad. But I guess my response to a playoff berth is for this team. What's the point? I'd much rather take my chance, and who knows? Perhaps I get a decent pick. I'll push back just a little and say I wouldn't take
1: the lottery every time. I would not do it every single. Oh, time. I'm saying
0: for this year. I'm sorry. Sure.
1: So I think when I look at this team, yes, give me give me the lottery odds, but you also can find decent players still in in the first round of the draft. But the problem with the Wild is either you haven't had first round picks and all the other ones that you have had just not materialized into first round material. That doesn't mean they're not serviceable hockey players. Ryan Hartman's a first round pick four years ago, right? And he's a fourth line player. It's already writing on the walls a 25-year-old, hey, Hartman, here's your role. You're a 27th overall pick by a good franchise in Chicago. It's not going to work for you there. But, you know what, you could probably make a good 10-year career here on the fourth line being a checking line player. So, yes, the Wild have had decent players that have come through in their first rounds of the draft, but none of them have materialized to first-round pick status, mm-hmm. that, that their, their ceiling was never fully reached. So that's, that's where I'm at with it, and with the draft, yeah, at this point, get me, in type, get me inside the top 10, please. Get, get in the well, top 10 of the draft. And think
0: about this, what, what if you have three picks? your pick which is a lottery pick of some sort pittsburgh's pick which you're going to have bottom 5 bottom and, yeah and then let's say you make the trade with carolina okay and so now you've got three first round picks one is a i don't know let's say one is the 8th pick or something it's called 820 and 25 okay you've restocked things really quickly and if you hit on let's say let's say you have a real solid hit on two of those picks that changes the dynamic of course. immediately. Look at look at Colorado. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying is is for 2019-20, if you're going to say you've got a coach who can get you in the 8th playoff spot and you're going to roll the dice from there or you get rid of that coach, I feel bad for him, and you bring in Dean Evison, who's going to be Mr. Optimistic and when they call timeout, the, the veteran players are going to scheme up the play don't and like Dean's going to stand well, I don't care, but it's yeah. it's a non factor. But the point is 100 out of 100 times for this season, I'm taking the lottery pick. Sure, I get that, and for this season, Yeah, yes. no, that's my point, is I'm yeah. taking it every time for this season. But I really do think that deep down inside, there was probably some fear by some pretty smart hockey people that Bruce was going to back them into a playoff spot. Of course. The Western Conference is weird. It's wide open. What, as of last week, the Wild was three points back, I believe, a couple points back. Yeah. And now, I believe as we record this on Tuesday afternoon, there's seven points back of the eighth and final playoff spot. But the fact is now, you know they're, they're going to go. They're going to play Vancouver on Wednesday. They're going to play the Oilers. Is that right? They're going to uh, Western Canada. I think they can. I think they can really stay, take a strong step here to get themselves out completely.
1: Exactly. And you need to get as many draft picks as you can. That's that's, that's why Stall
0: Stall gets me a second round pick. Yeah, I'm doing it. And I got three. So let's say I got three first round picks. Let's say I move Stahl for a second-round pick, and this is all contingent on the fact that we think that Bill Garrett and his staff can draft, but let's say they can. Pretty good shape,
1: Deco. Exactly. If you could have five first-round picks hypothetically in the first two rounds of the draft, that's going to be huge for the Wild. So, And you bring up a good point, too. We can kind of transition into the coaches that the Wild could hire because that's, that's the only thing I have a problem with Boudreaux is, I'm sorry, all these other guys, which are a lot on the market, do not do what Bruce Boudreaux can do. That's how I look at this. Jar Jalant, Doug Waite, you know, Doug Waite seems more like a buddy of, of Guerin, and I'm entertained by it. It's not like I'm I'm poo-pooing everyone that's out there. It's just I ha- I find it hard to believe there's another coach that when this Wild team does get good,
0: that Boudreaux, that is better than Bruce Boudreaux. And the problem with, with a guy like Doug Waite, who was teammates um, on different teams with Bill Garen, and they're pretty good friends, is, I don't know enough about him. I I know he coached the Islanders for a spell, but I don't know enough about his uh, coaching style or past to know if that's a guy who can step in with a young team and be a good fit or what his style would be. Uh, Gerard Gallant obviously had immediate success in Vegas, but he's best friends with Iserman in Detroit, and I think there's a good chance that uh, Jeff Blaschel is going to be out in Detroit and Gallant gets that job. But I would be intrigued by some. I would be very interested to see now what direction they're going to go. Because here's why. If this was just a young team, I would almost advocate for a, a young coach to go back to the sort of the and I'm not saying this guy, but the Mike Yo type of well as far as a guy that could develop a team. But you still got Parisi and Suter, who are pretty domineering personalities. And Boudreaux in his uh among the sit downs he's done, in the one that he did with Russo from the Athletic, he did leave the door open that there might have been some complaining about the fact that he was playing the young players over the older players, and I don't know if that played a huge role or not. But, you know, I guess my question is, in 2020 2021, Declan, what's going to happen with the situation if Preezy and Suter again start to complain or if, if one of them does? And how is that handled? Where is the perception of the team at? You would hope that garen could control it but I can't guarantee that now. And how many times have I said before, it's just time to tell those guys to sit down and and shut up, which is, which is a great theory. But if that's not what's going to happen here, you know, you can't necessarily get a coach in. Who's going to get overwhelmed by this whole thing, which I like. I like the fact that I I don't think Bruce did, but I think Bill Garrett has his work cut out for him when it comes now to bringing in the right person to handle still the personalities that are going to be at work in this locker room.
1: I know a name that's always been flirted around, especially lately, uh, is Scott Scandlin in, in Duluth, who could possibly make the jump. UMD could win another national title, they're third in the last four years, wherever the hell it's been. Um, I don't know if I'm ready to go down that path. I just don't, I don't know any coach that really does it for me. Like I have to really be sold on Garen's speak or what his vision is with that new coach because none of these guys do anything for me. They really don't. They don't do anything.
0: I don't know enough about some of them to say that. Um, the issue is, and this league is full of these guys, is do you want to go the recycled route again? And my immediate response is probably not. Right. But, you know, it it is crazy when you think of, and we talked about this stat after uh, Bruce got fired, Declan, you think about the fact that since the off season started after the 2018-19 season, you've had, what, 16 and 31 teams have changed coaches or had coaching changes. I believe we're now at seven or eight in season alone, including Bruce. And there's just a ton of guys available now who have been through the ringer before, and you've seen what they can do. But I And I don't know. Here's the problem. And here's what Garen's going to ultimately, when the springtime hits, have to decide. Where is this team, to, And who's the best person to develop Kaprasov as a National Hockey League player, right? Like, there's so many different questions. And, you know, I know that Zach and Ryan would like to think, oh, man, we could still just pick things right up and win. But I don't know that that's the case. I also don't think that this is a five-year rebuild. But Bill Guerin's most savvy move is going to have to be, what do you foresee as this team's future? And who's the best person to get them there as quickly as possible? And then, oh, by the way, when you're not busy, go find goaltending, too. Yeah. Because you need goaltending as well. Exactly. I mean, there's a lot of, there are a lot of absolutely key strategic decisions to be made in the coming months that are, I think, going to largely define Karen's tenure overall within year one.
1: Let's also put to bed, too, this whole Mike McDonald issue. I know I even, I wouldn't say issue, Mike McDonald theory that, oh, maybe Mike McDonald should be the guy that coached the team. And I know a year ago we said he could be the director of hockey operations. Who said judging, that? Judging, yeah, no, I
0: definitely said that. I someone else. Oh said no, that. no, I'm saying the coach though.
1: But my point is, put to bed anything that has to do with Mike McDonough and serious hockey, like roles. So, coaching and director of hockey. This guy just wants to be involved in the business side. He was an he's an X and O's, and he's a good person to have uh, on your side if you're trying to evaluate talent and evaluate the right people that you want running your franchise. But I think we can safely say, from what I've gathered and how I've watched Mike Madonna handle this role in his, in his few public comments he's made, he wants to be a behind-the-scenes, business-focused guy. He wants nothing to do with running a hockey team or running their operations department. He, he just wants to be involved in, in an organization, and that's fine as a businessman, but I, I really don't think this guy has any urge to be a head coach or a GM or a director of hockey operations. He likes being the right-hand man for, for someone on the business side. Yeah,
0: and I think Bill Guerin definitely... Leans on Mike as his buddy for advice and for a sounding board, but yeah, he's not going to coach, and he's got a young family too. So there might come a point in time where his desires as far as what to do with hockey ops might change. I don't know, but yeah, this is going to be this is going this is these next few months are going to be really intriguing as far as goaltending, as far as coaching goes, and the draft, which is it looks like it's absolutely going to be. One of the most important that this team has had in years, because you are going to have a high pick and you are going to have a ton of picks. Which, if you look at the Chuck Fletcher years, that's the one thing that you didn't have. And oh, by the way, it doesn't help that it looks like uh, Paul Fenton might have swung and missed in a big way on the Wild's first round draft pick because the Boldy kid out east. Last time I checked, not exactly slow learner tearing things up. Yeah, slow learner. we'll have to learn. I still would have taken the kid from Wisconsin, who's about yep. five foot two, but could score a ton of goals. Absolutely. Time for the hat trick?
1: Yes, hat trick of questions as we uh, begin to wrap up here. Who is the Wilds' top line center next year? Is it Joel Erseneck? Is it Eric Stahl? Or is it other? Tell me who the Wilds' top line number one center is opening night of next season.
0: Mm, I think it is. Well, I think Joel Erseneck has fallen into a very nice role Mm -hmm. as a second or third line guy. Diet Miko. I think it's somebody who's not here. I agree. I think it's somebody who's not here. I think Eric Stahl should be gone. Eric Stahl has no business, he's shown us this, and this is not his fault. I think he works really hard. But he has no business uh, still being a top-line center in today's game. You know, it's young, it moves too fast. So I will say undetermined. I don't think Eck is a top-line center. I think he's very good to play against top-lines. Yeah, he is. But you're right, Diet Miko, he could do a lot of things that Miko did so well for so long that now he can't do. So undetermined. That's my answer.
1: I would say undetermined, too. Joel Erickson-Eck is a great checking line center, and I understand. Look, let's, just, again, put another thing to bed. Stop comparing to Brock Besser. We missed out on Brock Besser. That stinks. We're forever going to link the two together. Too but, bad. but guess what? They, don't, they didn't get him. They took Joel Erickson-Eck. They have a center who is Diet Miko Koivu. And Miko, who at the beginning of his career... Uh, could definitely have better puck handling skills than Joel Erickson Eck has, but he has a lot of the same philosophies that I think Miko has that made him a very successful player. So if you hate Miko Koivu, or excuse me, if you love Miko Koivu and hate Joel Erickson Eck, reevaluate your priorities. Uh, second question. You can only have one of these two options, Chad. Okay? Okay. You can have either three first round picks for this year's draft. Okay. Or. Selling Dumba or brodeen for an NHL ready top six center so forego a draft pick for Dumba or brodeen and it's top six center top six center or excuse me or three first round picks right. in the in this next year's draft
0: if I can get a top six center in a trade I would take if it's an established commodity and I'm not saying an old guy but if it's somebody who has established themselves and i don't know that a team because centers are so hard to find top six that a team would make that trade but i think if i could get that trade i would probably i would probably take the established player the draft picks would be great but man it would be nice to plug in when you consider as we have this conversation right now declan the wild has one center who you can say that's part of of your future conan i think is probably a wing stall is not part of your future. Miko will probably play a very important role for the Wild in 2020-21 in community relations. Um, I got to take the top six center.
1: I'm taking the three first round picks. Okay.
0: Um, I
1: think if unless it's someone that just blows me away for Dumber Brodeen, that's top six. We fleece them, great. But I'm taking my chances with three first round picks and three guys that you can develop for the next few years to come. All right, fair enough. That's a tough one. Tell me what it's going to take to get Jerry Mayhew up here, because this is getting absolutely ridiculous. He's going to tie the AHL goal record. I, I I, don't know if it's trading Alex Galchenyak or what, but this is absurd that this guy can't find his way in the lineup.
0: So I found it very intriguing that oh, um, some digging on Friday morning, no, I just read this. Oh, dang it. On Friday morning, um, Bill Guerin fired Boudreaux, and on Friday night, if I'm not mistaken, he was in Des Moines watching the Iowa Wild and Mayhew play, and I think Jerry scored one or two more goals that night. I think he's going to be up very soon. I wonder if Boudreau wasn't a big fan.
1: I think that's probably legit. I think that there's probably some legs
0: there to that to that beast. But if you don't, here's the thing that I would do: if Galchenia, if you can't move Galcheniak, I scratch him after the trade deadline and call Jerry up and play him. I do that. I've got nothing. I, again, I've got nothing to lose by playing these kids. I want to play these kids. That's a good plan. I keep telling you I want Capo I want, uh, up here to play okay. goal. I, I, Why wouldn't you look at these guys right now? It makes no sense. But the only reason I think Galchenyuk's playing second line left wing is to try and move him by Monday. So if I can't move him, I'm probably just going to scratch him and get your guy Jerry here and play him.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've already got my jersey ready to go for him. I, I just I, I have to wait until he's actually up here. It is a weird deal. It's very weird. The guy has scored every goal at the AHL level, and I want to see if it translates here to the NHL level on a team that lacks shooters and, and lacks natural goals.
0: And why wouldn't you know? Right. Like, what's the what's the incentive to keep him down?
1: And I know I've pushed back on the whole Capo idea just because I don't believe in three goaltenders, but now if you're mailing it in, like if you're really mailing it in, and I wish kind of the NHL did this like where MLB, who is just eliminating this now, but 40-man rosters expanded in September. NHL should do something similar the last 15 games of the year, and uh, rosters move up to 25 players or something. You can call up three or four extra bodies, and you can throw in your prospect goaltender to see what they have.
0: Fair enough. All right, so Judd's Hockey Show. and I'm sure, Declan, that we'll do a one time or two as the week progresses because we've got trades going galore here. But we are uh, wrapping up this edition of the podcast at approximately 3.30 on Tuesday. Four trades done. If there's more made after 3.30, it's not that we're ignoring them. We just did the podcast before them. Judd's Hockey Show probably, what, Friday, Thursday, and Friday? Who knows? Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I think we'll be at the mercy of the trade deadline, too. So there might even be some weekend. Uh, Judd and I coming in our jammies. This to, is fantastic. Uh, to, 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 this, this is I everything we love. I love this. Okay.
0: I'm Judd. He's Declan. We're done. Pass shoot score.